Um, all right, everybody, let's kick it off. Or let's shove off, I guess we say in boating terms. Ahoy, everybody. Welcome back to Pack Your Mics. Thanks, Chris. That was a good idea. Um, we're the Top Chef Podcast from the Creators of Read and Weep, and we are on a boat today talking about Season 19 of Top Chef Houston, Episode 12, titled We're on a Boat. Really good title, you guys. Really knocked it out of the park this year. They were it's on topical. a boat. Title's on a boat. I'm Alex. I'm, I'm your captain uh, speaking in Hollywood, California, along with First Mate Megan. Hello. Um, oh and we got almost the full crew today in uh, in Northern California. It's uh, on the the poop deck. It's Ezra and Sarah. Hello, port starboard, <laughs> and and uh, and in in the in the hold in Brooklyn, New York. It's Chris. <laughs> yo ho, yo ho. And the only thing I can think of left is. Uh, the brig so in the brig in burbank california it's there's, new the there's the galley isn't the brig and the hold kind of the same thing what about the crow's nest the engine room come on we, we can't be at the helm we can't be in the captain's cabin we can't be in the <laughs> mess i could mess with it okay in the mess hall um <laughs> well, the, the, the episodes in the mess hall <laughs> it really is the getting wait wait getting keel hauled that's an option yeah walk in the plank <laughs> Um, do you guys have a lot of boating experience, Chris? I know your family is like into sailing related art, but I don't know if you're a big boater yourself. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in their earlier days, my, my parents were avid amateur sailors cool. in, and so I, I know, I know a bit from how boats. many knots do you I, still know? Oh, almost oh, okay. none. No, 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 no. I, I was never trusted with knots. <laughs> I was, I was sort of trusted with hanging onto the boat and riding oh, around. That sounds so. pretty good. Oh, wait, my listen. family is uh, all sailing. Oh yeah. yeah, I remember. I remember some boat stuff from you back in a previous uh, boat episode we did. I yeah, guess. remind me. I'm sure yeah. this is the same conversation starter I picked before. <laughs> Sarah, your family's big boaters. They are. My dad grew up like sailing like little little boats around like uh, Lake Washington, and my parents have a boat now. They are currently on in Canada in oh, the Canadian wow. San Juans. Um, oh nice. Yeah, they have a they have a boat that they charter for most of the year but so i'm the least experienced sailor in my family <laughs> how many knots do you know yeah good question oh hard zero i think everyone else knows it my my so how do you tie to... a hard zero <laughs> <laughs> do you have my a had to be certified my sister has taken sailing classes i have taken none so like when we go out on the boat i'm like mm, you can have me pull something or i can just sit here do you have a <laughs> do you have any sailor outfits do you have a hat no, it's more of like a, you know, it's it's Puget Sound in Lake Washington, so it's more like put on a puffer coat, yeah, and right. vest, and like Wait, all of your layers. Can you do though, like the little boy sailor person, right? Where it's like like the Donald Duck style hat, and you know, like the little like like little shorts, and like the like the white and you know, like what I'm saying. Like, could I? Like, what do you mean? Yes. Yeah, you're asking, could she wear <laughs> can that? Can you all I, do this? Can you all do this? Oh yeah, we can. Oh, in fact, oh. in fact, it's a, it's it's an audio show. We are all <laughs> dressed exactly like that. Well, Alex, Alex has his admiral's hat on. Of course, uh, it's, yeah. It's the big like camel hump style. Feather, yeah. But the rest of us with the navy, the the striped yeah. shirts and the little shorts and the deck shoes. Well, Megan, I like your roll. little red toboggan and <laughs> thank you. Uh, like the full capelet. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The keyplet's good, but it does get caught in the door sometimes. It's dangerous. I'm wearing like five five life preservers. That's just I'm like a, I'm like a Michelin. Each man. of your limbs will be preserved separately. <laughs> yes. All, All right. right. Well, let's. Uh, I guess um, 
that we are all more experienced than Damar, who is off on his maiden voyage today um, as Chef Don. And what a maiden he is, too. Um, as Chef Don and Tom charter a boat to take the chef's fish picking. It's just like apple picking if the apples could scream while they die. Um, the chef's it's like Wizard of Oz <laughs> or something. Oh, yeah. It's just like Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah. The apples do not. They do dislike being or the tree. But the trees throw the apples, trees, too. So they're like. Same, same. Well, I think it's the opposite of apple picking because the trees throw apples while the sea hides the fish. (laughs) (laughs) So devious of the sea to do that. Play hard to get with its fish. Um, This this week, the chefs have to prepare two gulf-caught fish dishes, although there's kind of a complicated fishing scheme. So you can catch your own fish on the boat, or you can buy fish at the fish market using $200 they give you. But your grocery money is whatever's left after you're fishing at the fish market. Um, So you could have your full $200 at Whole Foods if you catch all your fish you could buy all your fish and have less or you could save $200 and cook with the little fish they gave you to bait your hooks you already have fish why trade up for bigger fish just eat those fish you already got the yeah, fish 10 fish are having a moment just right? tin those sardines yeah you're, you're <laughs> killing it already or you could also catch extra fish and then sell them to the other contestants who didn't catch enough fish and now you have more yeah. money to go grocery shopping yeah not sure that or you this should have been a whole, two-part episode you could like just the first up. episode should have been all strategy <laughs> yeah right instead of a quick fart today you have the option to set up a shop on the dock and resell your fish to tourists at a hefty profit anyway there's a lot of ways you can make money at the end um and then if you don't spend it all on whole foods or you buy gift cards and pocket them you get away with it. anyway a lot of yes. options <laughs> the point is there's some fish they're all from the, the gulf but not all of yours also i don't know much about gulf caught seafood but it seems like the two fish they were allowed to catch were both kind of bad fish mm. like they knew nobody was excited no one wanted the catfish and they were like yeah this fish kind of works but it also sucks they were big yeah they were these were bull yeah, red fish from. is what they were called yeah, nobody was like, mmm, the flavor <laughs> yeah, right. of the of the fishes. But at the same time, you know, the, the, the best compliments were like, oh, this fish was perfectly cooked. It was moist. It was, yeah. you know, there was a Good there was blackening seasoning to cover up the taste of the red bullfish. Sure. But I mean, like, there was enough yeah. fish. Why was this not sponsored by Red Bull? Dishes. <laughs> oh, they're, they're too busy having an F1 moment, dude. Yeah, they've got like, other things. They, yeah, they oh, only they, make yeah. cars now. Yeah, they're also they oh, had the okay. thing where they put those two people in planes and had them try to switch, and one of the planes crashed, and then everyone's getting sued. Remember that? No, no, no. are they okay? I, yeah, I don't need to know. No, they're both okay. It's just they crashed one. Remember that guy who jumped out of a balloon from? Yeah, the, the guy jumped, he, it? who parachuted from space was was also oh, there. Yeah. Felix Bongard. No, they, there was a Red Bull stunt a couple like two weeks ago where it was two biplanes and the pilots were going to switch planes in midair, and one of the pl- they both ended up on one plane and the other plane crashed, and it was and they all lost their licenses, and it turns out the whole thing was like not good or safe, and it was a whole debacle. It's kind of fun. It feels Sweet. like. Are you saying that it, it did like not the give them wings? Equivalent. It did. <laughs> gave them fewer wings than it, they had previously. They lost their wings from it. <laughs> that is true. Um, all right. So now, once you're done with all of that. Now you're cooking two fish dishes for Don, Stephanie Izard, and Daniel Belud, who famously knows from fish. Yep. Um, I think I think it was Sarah who was like, Belud will know if you if you do bad. He'll know. Which is <laughs> <laughs> a pretty good summary. Um, Buddha, though, knows the history of the show and of all of chefs that have ever existed. So he makes a play on a famous Belud dish of sea bass wrapped in potato. And if it sounds familiar, it's because back in season three... Episode 14, the chefs had to recreate Daniel Belude's famous dish, which is a filet of sea bass wrapped in a very thin potato on a bed of leek fondue and oyster mushrooms. 
and they just had to like replicate mm-hmm. it for a quick fire. Do you guys remember that? I do I actually. Do. Now that you describe it, I didn't when they mentioned that in the show. I was so. It's also weird that they called it fish on papillote. I guess like that's his like quotation marks around papillote, where it's a potato instead of paper. I don't. Yeah, I don't get that joke. Whereas I do get Buddha's joke, which was fish in chips. Yep. Yeah. Was um, the pun. If uh, there's an option fish for fish and papillotes, like when you cook a fish in a paper bag, right, right, right. But he was, so the other one was paper potato thin potato in the bag. Yeah, I think <laughs> it, it like works the same way to seal. Maybe papillote is like paper without an accent and potato paper with an accent. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm gonna give it to you. So. Yeah, yeah, I have no way of in verifying. In Spanish, one way or the it's other. like one one yeah. of them is a dad and one of them is a potato, and I don't remember which is accent and which ones isn't, but. Dad, dad is accented. Dad is accented. Okay. One, Accent one was on the, the Pope also, right? Yes, with a different need seasoning. Uh, yeah. article. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, so, so lesson is we should cook everything in bags, right? That was what I got from that. Yeah, people like a bag, apparently. Because his other thing yeah, was also wrapped food. in seaweed. So put it in something. Yeah. Yeah, wrap sure. it. Wrap it up. Um, yeah, so so Buddha makes... Um, well, what he does is he does like a version of the dish without copying the dish directly, which is like a smart nod without... I, I think they all seem to like it. I was I was worried that the Blue well, was going to be like, like, where'd you get this idea, smarty? He cooked a very, very French dish, and he was going to like wrap the fish in fried potato and like i wasn't sure if he was going to like fry the fish in the potato at the same time or he was going to fry like a coil of potato and like <coughs> pop the fish my in my understanding was that he was going to wrap it and fry the whole thing at once and he like, okay. but he changed his mind right he started with one and then switched to the right. other because it wasn't right. holding together a lot, like the potatoes weren't holding together enough to fry As a cohesive wrap right. mm-hmm. yeah he couldn't make it stay tunnel. on there <laughs> yeah a yeah potato tunnel a potato tunnel with an accent um it still is beautiful, as is everything Buddha does. It's just gorgeous. Um, the little uh, tweel of potatoes, I enjoyed it very much. Um, Wasn't it, Stephanie, that was like, the moment the plate goes out, she's like, Buddha cooks pretty food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like it. Um, yeah, so his is called Fish in Chips, because if there's a, a, a bad joke to be made, he'll take pun. All right. Anyway, that was mine. All right. Um, he also makes a shrimp farce, which is where a bunch of shrimp run in and out of doors really fast. I don't know if you know. <laughs> That's better. French. Okay. Um, he's good, but he, but Buddha, who's pretty food, makes very good food. Everyone likes it. Everyone's exp- excited. But he gets outdone by recently recovered from the loser's bracket, Chef Sarah, who, um, and let me take you, actually, let me take a quick second to gloat, you guys. Um, you may recall last week. Uh, during the we talked about the preview the preview of next week's episode and it was like all sarah doing bad and i was like these guys are liars i bet sarah wins and she hella did sure yeah, yeah. these yeah, elves they're, they're lying too predictably you know, now you know alex here's here's the thing i want to compliment you on is not getting the prediction right but it's remembering something you said <laughs> last week yes. a because we That's can never really like, like what's your bold prediction impressive. i don't know <laughs> Although I did think Sarah was going to be in the bottom all the way up until tasting. I really thought her dish was going to be terrible. Well, and she was also like screaming in the kitchen and everyone could hear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She definitely, it definitely made it seem like, uh, made it seem like they were still trying to throw us off until the very last second. So, Um, but what she made was, she made, uh, oh, she made a pickled snapper with silken tofu in kraut broth, which... I mean, just on paper, that sounds like two things that are not going to win next to... You mean on Papillote? <laughs> <laughs> on Papillote. Um, 
uh, and then the deli influences the crowd, though, don't stop there, because then she made a pastrami sandwich, and by that I mean no pastrami, no sandwich. Hers was red drum on Parisian gnocchi, and gosh darn it, apparently it tasted like a pastrami sandwich. What is happening? How did that I mean, happen? We've seen this from we've seen this from hipster restaurants uh, all over the past ten years. Is you can pastrami nearly anything? I guess right? so. Yeah, I've not we been, have. I've uh, not been trying. Trader Joe's, I think, has like a pastrami uh, locks. I want to say. Yep. Uh, Definitely. So it's just a, it's just one of those pastrami is one of those things where it's like the seasoning blends doing the hard work. The seasoning yeah. blend and, and the like, kind of the the curing or the whatever you know. Yeah. Like, right. So it's a. Uh, go ahead. Pastrami is kind of a. Not the best cut of meat. It's like corned beef. Right. Like what the whatever meat you're using to make like a pastrami isn't the highest quality cut. It's all about the the flavor you infuse into it with mm-hmm. smoke and spices. Yeah. So if it's smoke and spice you want, you can put that on any ingredient. Yeah, and that's true of a lot of like um really delicious peasant food is that it was like not the best ingredient and then they were like, Well, we'll we'll do it anyway. We'll make it good. And then rich people food is like, well, this is just butter. We don't have to try. We have all the butter we need. Yeah. Well, at some point, I think the peasant food becomes trendy enough that the rich people are like, okay, right. we'll do that. Right. Now we charge uh, now $100 for pastrami sandwiches. We, yeah. yeah. We'll get you in the end. <laughs> rich people, man. Yeah. Tough, tough to uh, lose. It is. I, I guess the part that surprised me is not the, the spice on that, but the, the gnocchi seemed sandwichy at all. Like, that seems so weird. Well, I think this is sort of Sarah getting into what like made her succeed so much on Last Chance Kitchen, where she's just like cooking her s- things that are in her wheelhouse. She did like, didn't she do Parisian gnocchi for the final Last Chance Kitchen? So like oh, that's she did. oh yeah, yeah that, she did with I forgot that's about that. She does well, ricotta gnocchi? yeah, she had ricotta in it. Oh, and that was the thing okay. that Tom had never seen before. But g- good on her; she can replay everything Tom saw because Padma didn't see it. <laughs> but it's also a lot of her stuff was sort of like weird hybrids that doesn't sound like it should work, but it's just the it seems like she's she's got that sort of like high culinary I, IQ, like yeah. stoned culinary IQ, where you get really high and you're like, man, I want fish pastrami, man, and throw some gnocchi in there. That's gonna be great, and like it just works from the audacity and lack of. Uh, shame. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I think, and she, I think she does, she's done well, I guess, on the technical side generally. Um, and I think she's like, um, yeah, I think like she, she understands at least enough of like how the puzzle pieces are supposed to fit that she can make those uh, modifications on the fly. Well, and she's picked a good time to uh, peak because she wins her first challenge of the year um, uh, and goes straight. Isn't it like her seventh challenge of the year? On the, on the main oh, okay. show. They, they call it her first win. Yeah, not, not counting last chance. She wins her first ever um, main event Individual. challenge and goes yeah. straight, to, straight to Tucson, like we always say for people who are doing great. <laughs> Man, this is just so good. You're going to get to go to Tucson. You, yeah, someday. If you, kid, if you could make it here, you can make it in Tucson. Yeah, yeah, Tucson. We'll, we'll come back to Tucson. UNESCO World Heritage. Yeah, we'll come, we're going to come back to UNESCO in a second. Um, wow. In the middle, <laughs> I get all my restaurant reservation from UNESCO. <laughs> in the middle, um, so Buddhist through. So is Sarah, and then Evelyn played it way too safe with her redfish tacos and caldo de pescado, um, and apparently that stuff's good, but not good enough to get away without a scolding. So they could have easily put her in the top, but they wanted her to know. You're in the middle. She got a scold and then sent on through to Tucson. So she did fine. Playing too. it too safe. We know you're too talented. Yeah, you too, <laughs> here's the plan ticket. You're too good. That Try harder. So but also straight on to Tucson. 
I didn't, that was so, I, I guess I missed what the issue was with it. I know from the like beauty shot of her taco, it did look like there wasn't a lot of garnish. And that was something that was both like remarked upon at the table is like, there wasn't enough garnish. And then also someone, I think it was Stephanie was like, there was only a tiny bit of garnish, but there was so much flavor. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Well, the tortilla wasn't good either. It was really yeah. dry. Don, okay. Don was reading these tortillas for filth. Okay. <laughs> I well, mean, it just—it sounded really good to me as someone who can't taste the food. So, I mean, it's a solid-looking taco too. Um, uh, although Nick also made a taco that got him in trouble, and I think the thing that I, I'm trying to remember which one it was now, but both—it seemed like they wanted a saucy boy. The judges were disappointed yeah. in le- in dryish tacos. They wanted way more Nick's sauce. Was the, the really dry one where yeah. that was the one where Don said it was so tough. Yeah, and it was overcooked. Yeah, like the, well, yeah. He, he ruined. He the got fish, so bogged down. It was we'll that and it. the and the shapeless mound of his. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay, dish, let's get right? to that. So okay. on the bad side, uh, Demar turns his redfish blackened, but then adds too many peanuts, which you know you get in trouble for a lot of peanuts. Um, to his and then his snapper crudo uh, is sans salt. So he gets a stern talking to, but it's Nick who gets really beaten up. His fish cake is served, instead of in cake form, it's served as a pile of ugly. And then um, his taco is also uh, done in an overcooked style. So they both get, uh, both him and Damar get the dreaded, do you have anything else to add? Where Padma lets you think you can talk your way into the finals, but you actually can't. Um, And instead of trying, they both just say incredibly sweet things. And it's not enough to keep the baker from closing up his shop, packing his buns, and heading home, um, packing his pile of money, and putting himself in the record book for one of the top ten most graceful exits of all time. Yeah, I was going to say, both of those moments, him and Damar, with their one last thing to add, and then Nick's send-off were just, I think, top moments. Tear-jerking. I I mean, we're at such a tough part emotionally in the show, because I really wanted Sarah to do well once she came back, but now I'm also more attached to the other people, because they've been on this show longer, and so once she wins, it's like, oh, somebody who I love is going to get eliminated now. And I think I was most ready for it to be Nick because he's won so much money. Like, I just like knowing someone's going to be fine. And so, like, yeah, you yeah, can go home fair. now with okay. your pile of money and you'll be okay. What's his final tally? Do we know? 35? I thought it was 40, but yeah, it might be 30, 35. There's some splitting that I didn't, I don't remember. But yeah, something like 30, I, 35. I mean, my my measure for do I feel bad at this point is like... Um, do they have something that they can like market right? And he has his like his his spice uh, blend. And right? does and, like, indeed are, are, he does. He has. Are your, we going to be ex- Nick's twenty six, which is available on his website? We just ordered some. Um, Excellent. NickWallaceCulinary.com. You can get Nick's twenty six. It's you know I'll be honest, it's a little spendy for five ounces of mixed dry seasonings, but I'm excited to try it. <sighs> How many seasonings five ounces are there, of dry though? seasonings is like a big jar. Well, that's true. Actually, you're right. I guess uh, it doesn't sound like a lot of ounces, but they nothing weighs very much, but. Yeah, it's, that's volume. Yeah, uh, and, and the other thing is, like, would would I be excited to see them again, yeah. right, or the restaurant? And absolutely, mm-hmm. I think that if you get that impression at the end of it, you've had a good run. I think so. That, that's you don't have to feel bad for these people. Yeah, especially the way it feels like they're really embracing former chefs who didn't win as being like on the show, regular judges, regular guests. Yeah, that like, yeah, if you you get this far, you have a wonderful exit. People love you. You get to be part of the show as long as you want. You're going to be around. I think Top Chef is becoming like uh, it's not necessarily the destination anymore because they they're like we're gonna put you on the show and give you a big uh, like stage to show how you cook, but then you got to keep doing more afterwards. Uh, and if you keep 
doing more like some a lot of their winners and non-winners have they're going to keep bringing you back and sort yeah. of like giving you a feedback loop of giving you more publicity so that you can do more it's like they, they're just like if you go show yourself off on the show keep working and you're going to keep coming back and yeah you can bigger. definitely get a ton of publicity from top five for sure and people loving you and yeah i mean we talked a little bit about fan favorite last week and i just feel like and i think i would just, I, I want people to win and be fan favorite separate so right now nick is in my fan favorite running really hard because he did yeah. not win and i liked him a lot um i also get yeah, demar did a good job although going second when you're asked to say something really moving is really hard because everyone's still teary from nick and all you can say is like yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that. <laughs> and but it was says, so genuine the yes. way he said it too. Like you're just like, yeah, that's real. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, and him talk, talking to Demar backstage. I mean, it was re- in the in the steel room. It was just really very yeah. moving exit. Yeah, Nick and Demar talking then. That was really nice. Um, yeah, it was, it was very very really sweet. cool how they sort of talked about it and the way they talked about seeing someone like themselves yeah. in the cast, which is. I think it. I don't know how to speak to this as someone who's not a producer and a, a white podcast person. Mm-hmm. But like it, ah, man, uh, I lost my point. It's just it, having the hearing them have that conversation is a testament to like what it means to chefs to see people like themselves on the show and get to compete that way instead of being yep. one person and with a lot of similar faces. Yeah. I'm I'm glad we got to see that moment, and I and I, um, I liked Demar's reaction where he was like so touched, he was like kind of surprised about talking about it, which was really nice. Um, yeah, it was good. Also today we saw them after they finished fishing and then butchering their own fish, where they were just like sitting around the the house covered in fish parts and just looking exhausted. And it did seem like what a good group of friends who have been through a lot together right now and are definitely going to keep in touch after this. The, yeah, and, for sure. And, I, go ahead, as. Well, Chris, I just I hope that um, I, I personally I I hope that like Sarah has done enough. I guess in, in this that like she feels like she is like integrated a little bit more into the group. Yeah. Um, because I think that was the thing I was worried about. What, what are you thinking, Chris? Oh, I mean, I I, I just kind of echo these sen- sentiments. Uh, and and what's that, Alex? No, it's just, it's just, you're doing the thing that Demar had to do, where you like, look, I agree with what they've said, and then also here's the. the oh yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but I mean, Padma made made an excellent uh, sort of underlining of of the point of like, hey, you all have done a, an amazing thing by getting this far. Like this this isn't easy. The standard gets higher every year i mean tony and i were kind of working on this episode it's just like you know isn't it amazing that like the food just keeps getting somehow better every year the cooks are somehow better in that you know every it seems like every season there is a best fill in the blank that's ever been on top chef you know multiple times Mm -hmm. and tom padma gail like all these judges have eaten a lot of food and that it's it's just getting harder and harder. I'm and surprised harder they ever get hungry too. anymore. They've eaten so much food. They're also getting <laughs> older and older, and it's kind of hard to remember. Sometimes. Ooh, older, Ooh. more sentimental, yeah. gets fuzzy. Well, they were very sentimental. I mean, like, is, I don't know. When Nick said I, that yeah. thing that was so genuine, Padma was very genuinely like, "We love you." Also, like yeah. it really seemed yeah. like they were moved, and they felt like they'd connected, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, it's it's cool. It's cool. It's I think cool. there's also an interesting thing, and I don't know if it's like a chicken and egg situation, but this show's been going on for so long, and they do keep finding like best desserts, best curry, best something mm-hmm. they've ever had. But I wonder if it's like 
the food scene is constantly growing. So like what tastes good in 2000, like 2022 tastes different than like what was delicious in 2012. Oh yeah. Like cuts of jeans. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But it's, it's like, it tastes so delicious now and it's of the moment and current, but I'm not like, it's that thing of, I always feel like I'm having like a new favorite dish I've ever had or favorite meal. Yeah. But I think that's just because it's different and new yeah. and being able to like taste something that's fresh instead mm-hmm. of the same thing I've had five or six times. It's sort of like the, the movie that surprises you a little bit. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's sort of like the movie Apollo 13 where it's like the best movie ever made, but then you see other movies and you're like this is surprisingly different and I've forgotten how much I loved that originally. This is just for Ezra and like four listeners. Anyway, but yeah, you do, I do feel like you have something that's your favorite and then the you need it to be new to take over. You couldn't be the same thing that would be my new favorite version of that. You need the surprise and and the difference. Um, one other thing that I wanted to add here was DeMar said something that was so interesting when he was like beating himself up over this was like, what I want to do right now instead of going to sleep is go catch another giant fish and then taste it every different way. Try it fried, try it like grilled, try it sauteed, try to put it in this seasoning. And that's the chefiness that like actually works in real life that they don't get to do on the show. You right. give them a new fish mm. and they have to take a guess as to what it will work on it. But like what he would actually do for his restaurant is like, oh, cool new fish. Let me just chef it for a while until I find my favorite bit of the fish, my favorite preparation of it, and then that's what goes on my menu. And they, it is. In, I, I kind of want to watch him do that. I also want him to get. I want them to give tomorrow fish in several hours, and I just want to see what happens. I bet it'd be good stuff. Oh, I bet it'd be so many good stuff I mean, from him. Pitch your show, Alex. A fish in several hours. It's like you give a chef, and they get a fish they'd never had I mean, I in several hours. Give a chef a fish. It's called give give a man a fish. I think is what it's called. Yeah, um, I think it's great. well, chef a chef. Come give, on. A chef give a chef a fish. A fish. Yeah. I was trying to do the phrase. Yeah, I know, but I know. that's the exact phrase. Yeah, um, a little, a little ski. Yeah, I don't you know, like that classic phrase: "A rat in the kitchen." <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, um, yeah. Uh, Remy, calm it down. Calm it down. Remy's his name. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I do. I would love to see that show, that spinoff. I, I mean, I want to see that so often with these chefs, and I understand why you can't. There's just a limited amount of time. But if there was a way that Top Chef was like, all right, you guys each get a fish. You get three fish and three days, and you got to bring your best fish dish to the end of it. And then they would never be able to judge because they'd all be perfect. But I'm just curious. If, I want to watch that creative process. I mean, it's kind of a little more. I mean, we don't see the process exactly, but it is closer to, I guess, uh, Great British, right? Because they get like the brief before. That's true. They go they home and like practice it all week. Because yeah. Great British Bake Off takes you like six months to compete on. Yeah, that is a weird. I, it is interesting. Yeah, I. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's nice. Like I think they you know they integrate it more in their lives and stuff. And, yeah. and you mm-hmm. do get that. Uh, I guess depth of skill that kind of comes out of it. Well, I guess that brings us to our final posse of Houston because this is our last Houston episode before we head off to Cactus Country. So from zero what, to five, what? Oh, I wanted to ask one quick thing. Yeah. I, I I just one weird thing I like notice is like Daniel Balud is seen as like a heavy hitter in the Top Chef judge world. And like sure. everyone always has a thing of like, oh my God, I'm cooking for Daniel Balut. I have to show off like my fanciest thing. Yeah. So in the past, he always gets these very fussy Buddha-esque dishes to critique. And I thought it was really cool seeing him get like fish tacos yeah. and approaching it with the same level of like articulate, like he articulated his like, culinary thoughts in the same way and he just he wanted a saucy at, taco even daniel balloon yeah. was like just give me a lot of sauce on my taco i want it to be a mess 
I thought it was very interesting, and I kind of wish like you'd get Daniel Balud for like the queso challenge, like the audacity. <laughs> Just seeing him talk about kind of average food and like him taking it equally seriously and saying like I want this from this experience. It's not like oh, it's a taco. It's okay, below me. okay, you've got He's, you've got me on my next show pitch idea, which is instead of it's like diners, drivers, and dives kind of thing, but instead of Guy Fieri, it's like. You take someone who's one one of the most fussy chefs in the world to the trashiest diners. You take Daniel Balud to great. eat a pancake bigger than your chest and just see his thoughts. Yeah, I like that. I also want to add in like royalty along with it because I feel like that's a, the, it's the same thing that happens like like literal royalty. Like the queen doesn't probably get like you know, just like fast food, it, right? Oh, that's so true. would the show be Balud's Barons and Burgers? <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, this That's is right. We, we, we take we take the queen and we give her Chipotle and we see what her thoughts are. <laughs> yeah, but she must travel think... between Chipotle franchises in hot air balloon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, of course. That's of course. Oh, wherever that the how, balloon lands, that's where that's you order. That's get, how she travels. We get balloon and the queen in a balloon with with a host who's better than Guy Fieri, and then wherever the balloon lands, that's they yep. eat the junkiest thing nearby. They just pull yep. up Yelp. That's part of the show is them yelping from the hot air balloon. What's something we can eat near this crash landing site? Is there any way we can like portmanteau the around the world in eighty days? I'm just trying to get there, but I, somebody um, has done around the world in eighty plates by now. I'm I believe. Uh, okay. Um, I'm just gonna say trademark pending on this idea, just in case anyone out there <laughs> yeah, is trying yeah. to steal it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Any show idea that we mention on the idea. show, we get uh, at least ten percent if you make it. Absolutely. You've already given away ninety percent of the rights. <laughs> We're not gonna do any work. <laughs> <This is> <laughs> Guys, what about a cooking competition show where chefs look to be the top chef? Can we get something like that? Well, how about this? What about a contest to see how many um, chefs are in your posse? How many Ayo. from zero to five cowpokes are in your final Houston posse? One I mean, and a half cowpokes. Interesting. I'd say. Because like, we get to see a restaurant in Houston and the coast. Mm-hmm. Like We get to go out in the Gulf. and like that's. I, I don't think we le- I learn much about... like the gulf fishing scene around houston we just learned there's two different types of fish there and one boat that'll take you and then <laughs> if you don't catch in the first place go to the second place and that's where all the fish are yeah that was a hot yeah, tip I, go to the second place that was, go somewhere else uh i i yeah i don't know if i could go I, I feel like i can maybe grade on the curve a little bit because the this i just when now we understand like the the houston of the whole season i guess it's like oh there's just not that much that they gave us so yeah i, I think that's exactly too, the right thing know. is i want to hear your summary of all of your pokes for the whole season not just how many seahorses you rode in on today yeah two and two this is this feels like about average uh of the houstonness uh yeah we just yeah yeah yep i yep. think that's fair i'd, I'd say two yeah, I think two or is probably my like, my whole season thoughts. Anybody want to argue for more or fewer than two cowpokes overall? No, not enough. I'd maybe be arguing for a half a cowpoke more to say like I I I know more about Houston, but I don't think I have a good sense of Houston yeah. overall. So maybe two is. Well, so the, I saw right it's number. also based on funding that it's not like somebody who's like overall what what impression of Houston do you want to give because they were like, well, we can lay mm. off some of this cost by giving it to the the VRBO folks to advertise mm-hmm. Galveston and we can get a little bit of money from the fishing industry if we do an episode where they go fishing. And so it, mm-hmm. it does feel like it's sort of like this is a conglomerate of who in Houston has money and would like you to think that they're cool. More than yeah. it is like I feel like I hung out in Houston, and especially because we saw that show that Pad when we saw Padma's Hulu show, where she was like, "Oh, I'm hanging out at this 
incredible restaurant makes the best tacos in the world that's also a car wash i like i felt like i got to know the city that way and here i like i just got to see a few different um business interests well i also think like if you if we're counting this season we had restaurant wars not houston Mm -hmm. uh the jurassic world right oh yeah of course not houston nope that was like double spawn in that episode. Right. Chipotle. Uh, last week's Houston. episode that was Galveston. And then this week where they're fishing. So four of the 12 episodes so far are borderline zero Houston. Yeah. Like one to zero Houston. Uh, one to zero. Cowpokes. Cowpokes. Yeah. Uh, hollering y'all. I think that's true. I think it's a very low y'all count. I think overall we also heard very few people say y'all in this season, which is a little disappointing. Oh. Well, man, that may be. So like, let's let's. Note uh-huh. that Houston is in an entirely different part of Texas than like North Texas, Dallas, like. I, but our Cattle, Houston Texas. correspondents this did say like golf course that they say y'all a lot. Okay. Did they? Right. Yeah, you, we, that was you've one, read all the emails. Uh, one of them, at least I mean, one. Okay. I'm gonna par- I'm gonna paraphrase Nick here and say that which is understood does not need to be said <laughs> again. And so he just implied <laughs> that was Demar. Uh, but yeah. Um, well, it was Demar. Oh, Demar right. to was Nick. Demar, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. But yeah, that's uh, that's fair. Anyway, okay, so we've got a few y'alls. So, that, so this is what the, the interesting way that I'm feeling about this right now, because we learned two things this week. Number one, we learned that they're going to Tucson for the rest of the season, which is very interesting. And then also, I talked last week about how they're going overseas next year for season 20. The additional hint that they gave Gail on TikTok said that it is overseas. It is not... It is international, but it is it is overseas, and it's a place the show has never gone before. So we've got a little bit more information about where they're going. It's not going to be... I mean, is it overseas to go to the Bahamas? You have to go over some seas, but it still feels like the mm. same continent. I don't know. Anyway, it's overseas. That sounds just like the one London sea. then. Like if they were saying overseas and they've never been there before, London's the first. I mean, they haven't gone to, to that mind. many places on the show, so like it, we know they're not going to Macau and um, Italy. Yeah, they went to or Italy. Maybe Sydney. Sydney could be one. I mean, this is but so we're like remembering this through the lens of the Houston advertisers is like what's a city. That had that wants American tourism dollars and was spend it on this. Yeah, very possible. Every celebrity during the pandemic went to Australia, so like it be, Australia was like a massive destination for. Well, it was also the only country that had no COVID, Americans. so you had to give them some credit for that. There was a fun yeah. place to hang out because there was no COVID. Yeah, they were just like having concerts and sporting events, and it, it was a little jealousy-inducing. I would have liked to have gone to Australia. Would have been a nice time, but I feel um, I just like uh, Macau is the one that I keep think I keep going back to is like that was not like everyone's talking about Macau as a culinary. De- it was just like this is like a place with a huge tourism budget because they've got casinos, and so yeah. I want to th- I, I like where else is there a lot of casinos? Like I said, Monaco, Monte Carlo, I, yeah, Monte Carlo is a good one. I just feel like that's the more likely, but who knows. Oh yeah, season, so who's gonna pay it now? sounds bad, but that's just who has the money, and that's what I would assume at this point. All right. Um, since we're exiting exiting Top Chef time, basically, right? Uh, can we talk a second about non-Top Chef food shows? Well, to, we, to, we, to tie people over, we can. We got to talk about Tucson, and we got some mail. Do you want to go before or after those two things? I don't care. Let's finish Tucson. We'll come back. I'll, I'll hold a place for you. So, okay, okay. So they're going to Tucson for the fi- the finals for the final couple of episodes, um, which Padma specifically mentions is one of two UNESCO gastronomy cities in the country. And we all know when you're looking to figure out where to eat, the first place you look for advice is the UN peacekeeping force, 
right? Is that also an Expedia property? <laughs> I don't think it is. I think it's actually the UN. But yeah, um, that's a good guess. Um, but yeah, like, that's... Have you heard of that? Is that a thing you think of all the time? What an, in, what an interesting thing to advertise. I, it sounds interesting to me, and I'm, I'm interested to... Uh, to hear the criteria. All right. Well, I happen to have the criteria right here. Good, good uh, idea, Megan. Really um, good mm-hmm. setup. I'm sure mm-hmm. you couldn't see it on my notes, but um, <laughs> some some things that UNESCO looks for: well-developed gastronomy in the urban center or region, vibrant gastronomical community and/or numerous traditional restaurants or chefs, indigenous ingredients in traditional cooking. That's an interesting mm. one. And there mm-hmm. is an indige- indigenous food culture in Tucson, and I wonder if that played a part of it. Because the other two, like so far, I'm like, yeah, I guess. Um, local know-how and practices of traditional cooking that have survived industrial technological advancement. It really is about tradition. Okay. Traditional food markets, tradition of hosting gastronomical festivals, mm-hmm. respect for the environment and promotion of sustainable local products, nurturing of public appreciation, promotion of nutrition. Um, and then you just submit. And then every four years, they pick some cities. Um, okay, so can we guess? I mean, I'm sure you know who the second one is, but can I looked the rest it of up? Us? Oh, you I didn't look. What, it, I mean, I can't. I, I didn't look it too. up. I want to take a guess. Yeah, take a guess. Is the other one New Orleans? It is not. I mean, New Orleans oh. would be a great place for this to be, but I feel like Tucson is such a small city that well, it's not about the size. It's it's you're like gonna a, be disappointed. Well, this is what I was wondering. I just I was because it's Tucson, and I like Tucson, but I feel like I'm going to be disappointed. That's what I was assuming. What is it, Chris? Uh, yeah, uh, <coughs> it's San Antonio, Texas. Oh, so they could have done Texas still. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. You know, I do, I do like San Antonio as well. And San, yeah. I will say, San Antonio, really good breakfast tacos. And if you dare to speak on on the internet or on television about the goodness of a breakfast taco in Austin, the San Antonio people come for you. I mean, I can I, tell I, from experience. <laughs> good to know. I, Listen, I, I hear you. Um, I'm sure the breakfast taco scene is amazing. Um, but, yeah, it just seems like yeah. really interesting that, uh, you know, uh, and I'm not aware of the indigenous, for instance, uh, cooking and, and cuisine, you know, mm-hmm. in, in San Antonio or all those uh, other things that have survived. Uh, right. Survived industrialization. industrialization. Yeah. I feel like I think of San Antonio as like. I don't know, a basketball town? (laughs) I mean, San Antonio is also like one of those unfathomably big cities where it's like, yes, it's like the, one of the top five biggest cities in the country and you never hear about it. Top 10 at least. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we don't hear much about, so I'm sure there's some really interesting stuff there, but I'm sure also we could just learn nothing about them. Just like we learned nothing about Houston. Um, what do you guys know about Tucson? Do you have any, any thoughts on Tucson? I have only been there once, but I did have really good food when I was there. We had great food there, and yeah. we went on a really lovely hike. The hiking out in among among the Sparrows is really fun. Yeah. Sparrows, oh. of course, being our favorite um, pizza place. Yeah, uh-huh. I was going to say. Oh, yeah, the naturally growing uh, pizza place. Yeah, they have. Out they in have the desert. It's the only place you can That'd find this great. pizza place in the country. But yeah. Well, it's like the that's where you get fresh baby Sparrows, where like they're just like little huts. Yep. <laughs> Personal pan sabaros. <laughs> oh, Pizza Hut. That's where the name comes yeah, from. Okay. That's how yeah. they're born. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah the, I mean, I've been to Tucson kind of a lot, and I've eaten really well there. Um, it's the first place I ever had palatas, and I had really good palatas there, and I liked that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a lot of dessert there because I've hung out with comics there who really like dessert, but it's also just it's a really neat little town. It's got a cool airplane graveyard. Um, it's got, uh, yeah, the hiking is really, it's really beautiful. Um, 
And very, very, very hot. It's very hot most of the time. But sometimes it's it's a really it's got one of the nicest Decembers you'll ever see. It is a beautiful 82 in December, and that's really tolerable. There you go. Yeah. Pleasant. <laughs> yeah, it, could, it gets up into the low 200s, I think, in the summer in Tucson. It's brutal. Um, I don't think that's physically possible. It's not. No, it's not. Um, high 100s? Anyway, it's hot. But in not, not very walkable. That's like 190. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 190, 195, I think. It's, it, it feels like 190. Yeah, with the wind, it's 190. Yeah. Okay. What's the opposite of wind chill? Is it like a wind fry of 190? <laughs> yeah, it's because you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I do like Tucson. And I'm kind of interested to see it. And I do think it, you know, I think it um, you, it does not get talked about often enough. Mm-hmm. And yet I'm also a little surprised. I think it's cool. Yeah, yeah. I think it's cool that yeah, they're having very cool. And this is a way to, to highlight unique cuisine. I mean, yeah. looking at the mm-hmm. rest of the list, um, just internationally, uh, not a lot of like main cities, capital cities. It's all very like sort of regional capital type stuff. And yeah, uh, that's clearly what UNESCO is trying to do. It's not. It's tr- it's not trying to be like, hey, let's pat New York on the back for having good food. Yeah, it's like World Heritage City, uh, R- Rome. <laughs> did, did we do Rome already? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, no, that's not what this is for. It's you not. Know? Um, so. All right, a couple of things we got to talk about before we get to your thought on other food shows, Ezra. We got to take a dip into the. <laughs> It's the final mailbag of Houston before we go off into the finals. And I couldn't be more excited to talk to you. Send your feedback along, uh, mailbag at packyourmics.com. First up, just a quick follow-up from Ren, who mentioned Gregory's cookbook and then wanted to confirm what we said last week about it when we were hypothesizing. It's not really for weeknights, Gregory's cookbook. It's definitely... Uh, Ren says, I only make the, the recipes when I'm on vacation and have a whole day to dedicate to it. However, timing aside, they are very doable recipes for special occasions. So as we were thinking, not for weekdays, uh, weeknights, and also it might take your whole day to cook a thing, but um, doable. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, let's talk. Uh, let's talk to Jordan, who sent a message to us um, titled Day Off Tom. So... Uh, Jordan had some more web series ideas, which um, Jordan obviously is trademark pending on these ideas. But because we are reading them on the show, if a producer finds out about them from us, we also get 10%. Okay. Um, Web series ideas from Jordan. One's called Catch and Release Dad Jokes. Or it could be called Casting Call with Tom Colicchio, where he takes a new potential. I assume that one's like you take a potential Top Chef person on a a boat fishing with Tom, and he decides if you can go fishing on the real show, casting call. Um, Or it's a call-in show that he takes from a boat. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, like car talk, but it's Tom talking about food on a boat. It's just you call him up, and you're like, Tom... I have Man, this. How? What do I do for this special event for my my wife's it, family's it coming just to visit? Fishing problems that he's talking about. It's just like it's just a fish. It's just fish like a fishing based advice show as well. Could be. He talks about could food. Be. Definitely could talk about okay. fishing, but it's sort of like yeah, like car talks not always about cars. You guys know. You just like it starts about food, but it's just Tom. You hear the you hear the waves lapping against the boat as Tom. Has, like not a, a great signal. <laughs> yeah, of like the reel going in. Every once in a while, he yeah. reels it in. <laughs> Jordan also suggests yeah, the sure. title Hot Hot Rods and Dad Bods with Tom Colicchio. Yeah. I think that's an option. 
Um, but Jordan's idea for the pitch. So my pitch is the Colin show, but Jordan suggests Tom takes chefs fishing, tells dad jokes. And if they fail to catch anything, Padma pops up and says, pack your rods. You've been released, which I like. Um, bad. Not yeah. bad. All right. And then also from Jordan, what is this? How is this ranking with Nick today in terms of eliminations? Uh, or actually, sorry, not Nick. What is the ranking of elimination in terms of worst time to go? So overall, what parts in the show are the worst times to be eliminated? Um, Jordan's hypotheses are first out, just before Restaurant Wars, at Restaurant Wars, just before the finals and location change, one before the final, out in the finals, which is most of the episodes, honestly, Jordan. But um, what do you guys think is the worst episode to be eliminated on? I think, all right, I have a very, I immediately have a strong opinion. So, like, number one, first out. It's, yep. it's just Agreed. the hardest one to come back yeah. from. Uh, but agreed. second worst is the episode where someone comes back from Last Chance Kitchen. Oh. Because now, Ex- you know, explain you yourself. Miss- so, yeah. like, it's like Ashley got is was eliminated at the actual perfect time because right. she was eliminated right before the final to come back from Last Chance Kitchen. So she had the shortest path to get back on. Mm-hmm. But then the next oh, episode, okay, okay, okay. you now know you have the longest journey to fight your way back in. Right, mm-hmm. or you're just after second Last Chance Kitchen ended and you know you're done for good. You're the first chef to be eliminated without a second chance. Yeah, I, I hear that. Because um, I also I, think like lasting to this point is hard but you've all it's also a success mm-hmm. like lasting this long is an achievement mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. not like to the end but only one person's getting to the end yeah. uh and I, I i do feel that like lasting to the final five is a really impressive thing and like i'm going to be following nick more uh i i am going to get his spices now that another available yes. culinary.com yeah the the i think lasting this long is still something you get enough pride in where the elimination doesn't hurt as bad. Yeah. This is- I find it for, in most cases, um, unless they've like come back a lot, if someone went out before restaurant wars, I probably don't remember them. Yeah. When they come back yeah. to judge, we're like, it's, who? Yeah. It does happen. Yeah. And so it, for me, I mean, like uh, Kyle, I think it's a great point about, about like, what is the hardest path back into the show? Mm-hmm. I think, uh, earlier is just flat out worse because Mm -hmm. you know worse than being remembered for being having injustice done to you is not being remembered at all Mm -hmm. and i think yeah so that's so these are really interesting different approaches to it so kyle yours is like what's the worst elimination in terms of your chance to get back on chris is your like what's your worst in terms of publicity and and memory yeah and be like hey i'm on top chef everybody yeah i'm in the opening credits and then yeah right yeah you still see me hitting that onion with a butcher knife until uh the last Mm -hmm. episode i feel like the hardest on the person emotionally it's weird because so first out i think is still awful and then i think there's kind of a lull between that and like eight where like anywhere in there it's all kind of similar it's not like ninth is not talking shit to 11th or something like it's not a big difference yeah 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 you're you're you know you're in the peanut gallery you're all just like hanging. yeah you had fun fun. you're like oh that's a show i did one time oh what could have been but what's weird is and i think one of them mentioned it this week but the closer you get to the end the harder it is every episode because i think early on you're like there's 15 20 of us best chefs are alive right now the odds of me winning are very small 
And then when there's 10, you're like, I, I'm, maybe I'm going to make a deep run. I'll just be happy to be in a deep run. And then when it gets down to seven, you're like, I could win this. And then e- like each time you get more attached yeah. to it. So when you lose, you have more a feeling of that you could have done well, a feeling of like seeing the finish line. I, I mean, I don't think there's any day that's easy to go home. But I think like I think anything first or anything after Restaurant Wars just gets exponentially harder. Yeah. Mm. Caleb uh, uh, heard the question and wanted to jump in on it. He mm-hmm. said, um, finals and first was, was his. So it's just... Well, on the finals or before the finals? I think at the finals. At the finals. I do think, like, one advantage to losing in the finals, to being, like, second or third, depending on how it works, versus going out right before that, is you don't have to, like, watch it happen without you being in it. It's just the show mm. is now over. So everyone is also done thinking about Top Chef at that point. All the other chefs are also moved on. But if you lose earlier than that, you have to watch the finals. You might even have to cook for someone else in the finals and not get to play. Ooh. And that hurts, I would assume. I, I think that. the most painful one is the one-off. Like the, the only thing that's more painful is the one-off of um, uh, the Kentucky season where Eric cooked his first plate and then was eliminated yes that's that's tough yes that's a special (laughs) circle of hell i don't i'm still so angry that they did that yes emotionally very bad and you're right to be angry but to chris's point of how famous it makes you that made everybody want to give eric a meal at their place to cook that thing that he talked about like he sold the world on the dish not top chef judges but um, it, it was it was a, a torturous thing to do to him, but it worked out. I think it did work out. But that oh my god, yeah. that's got to just actually wreck your that's mind. That's a good point. Generating, I think. Okay, so it hurts. Obviously, I think it, your publicity and memorability is actually connected a bit to the pain you endure. Yeah. So I think like it's like oh man, this is brutal. And I think like that's that's sort of like those are fan favorite points, and that probably will serve yeah. you well. So I think just like being. If they happen late in the season. Yes, if they happen late. Yeah, because I felt that way earlier in the season, like when they were doing elimination quickfires and like, Mm. and I think that was the Las Vegas season where, or maybe that's only when they were winning money. Sometimes they've done elimination quickfires, right? Yeah. yeah, I always hated those. But um, yeah, if it's early in the season, I'm not necessarily going to remember. Yeah, it's so true. um, That also makes me think of um, like having... having to come back and help when you're not in it is really hard. The other thing that I remember just now is that when you get eliminated earlier on, a lot of the challenges where they do like a food festival for the day and they invite a lot of people in order to not have spoilers for the season, they make people who've already been eliminated cook also. And so when you go there, you see like 12 chefs cooking, even if there's only five chefs left in the competition. So the other seven had to like, oh, no, yeah, they had to go set up a booth and cook their dish. And I think that would also be hard to be standing there with the booth cooking and watching the cameras care about five people, but not you. That also seems kind of rough. Yeah, not not the best. Like on you. I mean, yeah, I but I agree with you guys about the publicity thing. And it is kind of weird that like the more you get screwed over, the more they're going to remember you. Like, that's really interesting. Um, also it's important to remember like what the show l- likes about you affects how you come back so going out later also helps a lot for that but like also not, winning doesn't necessarily guarantee that they'll talk about you because there's at least three people who have won the show and I'm not even going to name them now because I don't want to participate there's at least three previous winners of Top Chef who are never acknowledged by the show and that's kind of interesting mm-hmm. yeah 
Although for a while, one of those was Hung, and we recently saw him, and his hair looks amazing. That's so, no, Hung, yeah, yeah. Hung's doing all right. I sort of assume Hung didn't want to play when they called him. Yeah. Some people yeah. are just not as into it, but there's also, like, obviously last seasons we just don't talk about, and also there's there's uh, Nick, who we just never acknowledge, and I'm sure would be okay with being on TV again, but everyone hates him. Um, yeah. Oh, I forgot about Nick. There's been, like, one time where there was, like, a table of winners at a live finale, and he was there, I think, but nobody, like, was hanging out with him either. Anyway. Um, okay, one more question from the mailbag, which is from uh, Matthew. Um, whose question is essentially if blank wins, it will feel, feel similar to when blank won. So um, um, asking about sort of models of previous winners mapped over the current finalists. Um, so uh, basically, I, uh, Matthew says, I was wondering what you believe would be the most comparable win if each of the remaining chefs won. I've included a couple of my wins. In this, I'm focusing not so much on styles of cooking, but on the TV arc of them. So obviously, yeah, okay. Matthew thinks Sarah has sort of the uh, Brooke Williams and Kristen Kish arc yeah that's what i was thinking going out coming yep. too early coming back in um buddha has the melissa king michael voltaggio edit of just being like so dominant the whole time um which also gives you a bit <laughs> I was of actually a, gonna a blaze possibility if you don't win you get to have the dominant mm-hmm. and then making a bad uh, meal at the yeah. end i also was gonna say like he's sort of like hung because hung started as like a sort of young wonderkind from the beginning of his season like i don't know if he was i I haven't watched that season in so long i don't know if he was as dominant but he was like an early front runner and like sort of in a flashier stylistic way but backed it up yeah from beginning to end yeah i mean i definitely buddha has been largely dominant but not i mean obviously no one's ever has been or will be as dominant as Melissa King was. I mean, that was an unparalleled season. I, I think it's hard to say anyone could have a season like Melissa King because she also did that in all. She did it in all stars. I can't believe. Yeah, I think like we should talk about this is- once a week. It's just the craziest thing that's ever happened. Yeah. Um. But Buddha has been so dominant, except for a couple of places where it was like, "What are you doing?" He's had a couple of like real bad flubs, but he seems to have like gotten that out from gotten out from under that and is like now just doing almost flawless every week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also see it. So Matthew thinks Evelyn is kind of similar in arc in nothing else to last season's winner um, in. And I do feel like there is like, even though Buddha has been a little more dominant, Evelyn has the like feel good arc, which obviously turned out to be wrong last year, but that's still the edit that we're that the editors are thinking of it. Right, Evelyn right. has a local hero and like, even though Buddha seems nice, like Evelyn seems much more friendly. I think I feel like I'd hang out with Evelyn before I'd hang out with Buddha. Um, and we'd have more to talk about. Um, Buddha seems more focused on winning and Evelyn seems more focused on like displaying food that she cares about. And I think that's really interesting. Um, mm. I, I'm yeah. going back. I'm trying to like go through the winners. Yeah. I, um, I, okay. Here's one. I wonder if Evelyn might be a little bit more like Joe Flam, who, so, who sort of mm. was like really good, cooked his food throughout, but like sort of stretched, but it was really like bending the show to like how he cooked. I like that And answer. I think like Evelyn does a lot of, she, she is flexible. She does like cook to the challenge, but like when she made her Thai curry and when she's like mm-hmm. excelled making like her family recipes, it's sort of her making food her way. 
and making the sort of competition recognize like how she cooks. Yeah. And I see see it a little similar to that where I don't think Joe Flam was as flashy throughout the season, but he was always like up at the top. Yeah. She doesn't have the same like eliminated then come back because he also came out of LCK, but not in the I mean, same way as people who won not the same way as ends. Sarah. Kyle, that is sort of a nod also towards uh, towards last season's winner, who did who seemed to do that all the time, where he made yet another curry or yet another sauce yeah. that everybody was a like, mole. well, a mole, yeah. yeah, or it's like okay, always found a way know. to make a mole fit. Turns out this is great. Whoops. Um, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's interesting. I do you guys have a do you have the do you have an emotional investment in who wins right now? I mean, I think the vibe of the show is a little more Buddha. And I think my my heart is a little more with Evelyn, and I think she could definitely do it on any given day. But I do feel like, I mean, the the chefs like fancy food, and Buddha is doing some of the most beautiful food I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. I, I'm not sure if I have the same emotional investment as I had last season with like Shoda. Right. Like I f- I feel like I in hindsight like I've still followed Shota a bit more and like the feeling I felt for Don coming back. Like I, I think I have more of an emotional connection with them than any of the chefs other than Nick and Damar. Like I really like watching Nick and Damar and like they, I was able to like kind of feel for them mm-hmm. on a more emotional level instead of just like intellectually, like who's cooking best. Yeah. In terms of so. dominance, I, I think Damar has done some amazing things, but has also been on the bubble a few times mm-hmm. in a yeah. way that Buddha and yeah. Evelyn haven't. Buddha and Evelyn have just been every, every week is Buddha, Evelyn and a third person on top. So um, I am very charmed by Sarah. Oh, like, me too. I find 100%. her charming yeah. and like her as a character. Yeah. But I, I because she's been on the last chance kitchen where you just get to see her processing this like stressful situation instead of actually talk about herself. I don't have the same connection to her as you get from chefs like having downtime and being themselves more. All right, we got, we'll come back to this. Obviously, we have more weeks to think about it as we get another elimination next week. But um, one more email I want to read, which is from Hannah, who is our library correspondent, as you guys all remember. Um, Hannah says, Dear Alex and team, I read a new book that I think would be of interest to you and your listeners. It's called Food Stars, colon, 15 Women Stirring Up the Food Industry. So... Also a good little food pun, bonus food pun in with stirring there. It's by Ellen Mahoney. It's a young adult nonfiction book, but I'd say it's good for middle grade, about 10 to 12. Um, I can't remember exactly how old Caleb is, but depending on his reading level and interest in food uh, and podcast involvement leads me to think he has some, he might really like this book either on his own or with a parent. The book is 15 short biographies of women in different areas of food, including farmers, chefs, food activists, TV podcast creators, and food scientists. I thought of you all specifically because one of the bios was about Dr. Uh, Takia Sermons, a food scientist at the Space Food Systems Laboratory at, J- at NASA's Johnson Space Center, which, of course, uh, was discussed a lot recently on the podcast. And w- I would again if there was a good excuse. Um, I hadn't learned any of these women before, and I watch a lot of food TV, so I was very excited to ha- hear about this uh, diverse group of women working in the food industry in different ways. Um, the book comes out in October. So I will put a link to the Goodreads so you can check it out, mark your interest. But Food Stars, 15 Women Stirring Up the Food Industry by Ellen Mahoney coming out in October. Thank you for the recommendation. Oh, awesome. oh, thank you. I will that's say, great. for those of you who do not remember this or stuff that's from the other podcast, every book Hannah has suggested has been incredible. So this is like a solid... Hannah is not only... Um, reads a lot knows a lot about books but also is like very good at discerning what you will like which is a different scale and a very impressive one so 
I like Hannah's recommendations a lot. So check that out. Perfect. Food stars. Um, all right. And then that brings, we have one more, I guess it's not quite an email. It's more of like a, um, a video phone call f- feedback mm-hmm. that we got. And it's coming in right now from Ezra. Ezra, what did you want to say? about other food shows <laughs> okay sorry my memory right now is just at a point where i'm like uh what what are you talking What's about going a video on? phone call Padma's what? calling us on zoom right now switch over oh no. my gosh everyone yeah a facetime um yeah uh so i uh sarah and i've been you know, watching other food stuff uh because you know top chef is not on all the time um and i you know felt like it's a good time to see like you know now that we know the season's ending uh right that, uh-huh. that we're, we're down to just a couple You're couple chefs sad yeah, I'm pretty sad, and I'm like, okay, what what are we watching uh, next? And and I don't know if I talked about it here yet, but um, uh, takeout with uh, Lisa Ling, I really liked on uh, HBO. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like uh, it, it kind of has a, a Pad- Padma show kind of feel, but like yeah, a little more journalistic uh, vibe of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, cool. more of a, more of a journalist, less of a, a host uh, kind of thing. Um, oh, and it's just kind of different. Um, takes on the uh, different parts of the Asian American uh, food experience um, um, in America. Super cool. Um, and uh, let's see. Also, the, one of the things that I really, really liked um, was on HBO, um, uh, Selena Gomez's uh, show, Selena and Chef. Um, oh, I so saw this. It's really fun. So, so I think we kind of backed into it because we saw first Sandy and Chef, which is um, with a... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Brazilian pop star. Uh, uh, it's a Brazil version of this, uh, and I was like, "What? This is really fun!" And like, and and I don't know what's going on exactly, but it like all makes sense. And then, so this is like basically Selena Gomez, like during uh, I guess especially early quarantine, one learn how to cook, and so she had like all chefs that we'd know, like you know, zoom in basically, and like um, you know, uh, take her through the different parts. Um, and Hi. I think like by f- if you're gonna have like one episode, uh, so so like Antonia is there. Uh, like if you remember Ludo, uh, I oh, think yeah. Fabio Fabio's on sure. it. Uh, uh, an episode of and, and Fabio's like, on it. Yeah, yeah. And, and my, Fabio will say yes if you ask him. Yes, uh, Blaze yes I think has one for a cameo. <laughs> Uh, Marcus Samuelson. Um, but the one that that uh, Sarah and I just saw that that like was by far one of the best things I've seen in the last like month or so was with Kwame, where like there's a lot of flirting going on. Um, <laughs> it is, it is a very I don't know. It, it's just like I, I could, like what 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 are we watching right now? And, like, there's, um, <laughs> like you cannot get through this. Don't and, play like, with me, Selena. Google. No, no, it's just like by the end of it, you're like, there's no way you will not Google like, you know, uh, like our Kwame and Selena dating. <laughs> um, uh, so I very much recommend uh, all of that. I think it has one of my favorite like gift gift moments now uh, that that uh, Sarah and I just send back and forth to each other. So oh, that's fun. Um, I is, this is kind of weird, but I feel like I don't know any of Selena Gomez's music, but I did like her in Only oh. Murderers. And so I find I think she's like I think of her as a charming actor, and I forget that she's a huge pop star. Um, I'm sure I yeah, do know yeah. her music. She I don't know that I know her music. A very popular celebrity. I uh, I might get targeted if I say this, but I don't think that as a pop star she's on the same level as like the biggest pop stars. Hmm. But oh, she has no, like true. lots of music. She, yeah. I, I think she's still more of an actress than a pop star because she started on like the Disney Channel and. She oh, has, she like, is that features, route. Okay, yeah. But she doesn't have. She. I don't think she's. Well, no, she released an album in 2020. I just. Yeah, don't think I really liked her album. Her I did too. One. I thought it was good. Yeah, yeah. I she's probably know some that, of the music, and I just don't know that it's her. 
Um, yeah, yeah the I, I only know her from is, the acting. Yeah, yeah. The fun thing is, if you know her from her acting roles, her voice, her singing voice will be instantly recognizable. Yeah, which is oh, interesting. Know, just fun. Okay, yeah. I'll I'll check it out. I will listen to that record too. Um, it, a couple of other recommendations since we're doing this. I did notice. I haven't actually watched this yet, but I did notice that um, Netflix is rebooting Iron Chef, and Marcus mm-hmm. Samuelson is one of the Iron Chefs. Um, yeah. And it's also team-based because one of the episodes, I think, is Maylin Gregory with teaming up with uh, Jeremy Fox as their sous chef oh, interesting. for one episode. Like, yeah, it, they, it seems like they're getting like legit content, like contenders. It's not just a restaurant owner. Towards the end of the run on Food Network, they were definitely doing a lot more team challenge stuff, which was really mm-hmm. interesting. They did. I mean, the last season on Food Network was basically like all shenanigans. It was always like, oh, it's Bratwurst Month, and so we're doing a Bratwurst Day, and we're doing Super Bowl yeah. party, and Thanksgiving party, and Christmas party. Um, but the Netflix reboot is kind of interesting. I mean, they moved the whole show over. It's got. You know, it's got the same chairman. It's in Kitchen Stadium still, but um, well, so, the same like American chairman, the one who yes, was the American chairman, like, yeah, it's John like Wick three, the nephew or whatever, yeah. Um, <laughs> but an important part of the show. I really like Iron Chef. I think Iron Chef is a super interesting one. I, I, I feel like I get I learn more about food on Iron Chef than on other shows. I think Alton's a great mm-hmm. um, per, yeah. a great person to be around. And Kristen Kish and is Kish the is other like, commentator. Yes, yeah, Kish is the Alton Brown backup. Yeah, which is so cool. Um, and Curtis Stone from uh, some Top Chef spinoffs is also one of the Iron Chefs this year. There's some really interesting people. But yeah, uh, that is exciting. And I'm going to watch that as well. Um, cool. Uh, I have one recommendation or just like, I, we all know this in, as any spans of our sports podcast. Oh, yeah. But uh, Holy Moly Holy is back, back for season four. And Woo-hoo! I now am testing like a take that I think that if you were to create the American equivalent of the Great British Bake Off, it would be Holy Moly. Because oh, no. America wouldn't make a baking show, but the only thing that's like um, purely American and like pure joy to me is Holy Moly. Is somebody ziplining like, in straight into a pole and falling into icy water in a suburb of Los I, Angeles in the middle of the night? I think that is the American equivalent of making <laughs> like same thing as pastries in a tent in a beautiful pastoral setting. I, mean, like, I, it's, I like this. I like it a lot. I mean, if you look at the presenters, it says Rob Riggle, Steph Curry, and the Muppets, um, <laughs> which is a pretty a pretty wild lineup. And that really is it does capture America pretty well. <laughs> that is a pretty American lineup. I, I just I, I really believe that That's just solid. if you you were to put American and Great British Bake Off into like the transporter from the fly. Holy moly would come out on the other side. Um, last recommendation that I want to add is that um, Stephanie Seymour had. Oh, nope. Was that hmm? me? Hello? Wait, is that a button? No. Oh, don't press it. Did you just press it? Sorry. Did you press it the I first time? What happened? Are they frozen? Hello? Die? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, can, I guess they froze. Is this an earthquake? <laughs> It'll get to you in like five seconds, if so. <laughs> oh my God! Do we have to finish uh, off this podcast? <laughs> interestingly, oh guys, it didn't reboot. Uh, well, <laughs> oh, it's I been a good, it's good, uh, good episode, and uh, we'll talk. Ta- 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 uh, pack your max. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week, everybody. Uh, no, because Chris already uh, had a problem, so uh, we're doing all. Maybe he'll come back. Today. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Oh, we'll see. We'll give it, give it a few minutes. Yeah, give it a hot second, or we'll just assume Alex will it's record. Even if you did press, what was weird is we we got yeah, his oh no. So yeah, we it's, did get the oh no. So so it's something they, they where they they drop a you know, drop a thing on a thing, or like they'd like like 
they spill a cup of water. Yeah, yeah, just like poured a cup of water on their board or whatever. Yeah, maybe they'll will they email us or they text. What's going to happen? How will we know about the oh no? Uh, oh, here they are. Sorry. Hello. Oh. Hi. Hey, what's up? Hi. Um, somebody kicked the power button no, on the computer. on. <laughs> it's weird because we got the oh no first. We yes. got the, oh, yeah, we the took oh no. a second oh, yeah. to to close all the programs. The problem is now. I don't. I think we might have lost all of these recordings because it's really? it says it's recording twenty seconds. We, we, we might be all backups today. Okay. I mean, ours is still recording. Yeah, ours says recording oh. here. Like it's it still. Has well, the, we'll see what happens. Yeah. This will be an interesting challenge for them. Okay. Let me just finish this recommendation and then. But please send me your backups today because I suspect everything is fucked. Sure. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Um, Sorry. Let me just get my notes to load again. It's taking okay. Uh, There's a pe- I put a piece of um, electrical tape covering the power button so that the light isn't bright at night when we're trying to sleep. And so you can't yep. see that there's a power button there. And so you could mm. bump it. Yeah. I think it was uh, about UPS an hour isn't just a shipping company. Six dude. minutes. Just for timestamp purposes. Oh, good. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. What, yep. Chris? UPS just isn't just a shipping company, my dude. If you have a desktop, probably not a bad idea to have something like that. Oh, the UPS is the uninterruptible well, power so, but it wasn't the, a, If you backup. press the shutdown button, it'll still shut down. Oh. She just oh, pressed I, the button. Oh, yeah, actively the, turn oh. the computer off. Yeah, you tell oh, yeah, the computer okay. off. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. That is, I probably should have a, uh, an active power supply on here. That's not a bad idea, but um, would not have solved, mm-hmm. saved us in this case. Okay, last recommendation for me, which is, I don't know if you guys know this, but um, Stephanie Seymour has a podcast called Stephanie Knows Some Shit. Yeah. Hey. And um, I listened to the most recent episode, which is an interview um, with her best friend, uh, Kristen Kish, and talks a lot about uh-huh. their origin story where they met at this restaurant in Boston. And my, my favorite little tidbit from that was because they were you know making like $8 an hour or whatever as just out of college, hardworking young chefs, and they were required to wash their own chef's coats at home, but... When you make eight dollars an hour, you probably don't have laundry at home, and so Seymour uh, would just throw her jacket in the um, dishwasher at work when no one was looking, <laughs> which made me laugh. Um, they're very fun together. Stephanie's great. Um, kind of intriguingly, um, uh, and maybe the most important thing to take out of this is that um, when Stephanie Seymour says her name on the show, it's Stephanie Smar. I, I think and we did get that before, and we just ignored it. I think we either we well, I don't. I mean, I'm assuming she doesn't say it like it's a fun joke. She says it like that's how you say the name. So we should probably start trying to say it smart, but smart. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Smart have to relearn it. Okay. Yep. Smart. Yep. Anyway, so Stephanie Smart's new the, show. Um, Stephanie knows Danish some shit. Word for butter. So that's fun. What is Danish word for? Dan, it's closer. Oh, it's, it's a lot closer. Smart? To Danish word for butter. Okay. Yeah, it's like oh, smell. We'll remember smell. it. Well, it's a smooth Stephanie podcast. Butter. You can cut right through it. Um, <laughs> I think you'll like it. Um, so you can check that out um, wherever podcasts are available. Stephanie knows some shit. And I'll put a list to all of these recommendations because we banged a lot of them out real quick here at the end. And if you have more for us, we like, especially if we get in the show, tell us your other interesting food show recommendations because we're pretty sad about the end of the show. Although from the way they're talking about season 20, it feels like this is not going to be a long off season. Um, all right. I think that does it. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening. Please send along your feedback. Mailbag at packyourmics.com. Um, thank you for hanging out, uh, Kyle, and briefly, Sarah. Yes. And thank you, Ezra, and for some time, Sarah. Yes. We had a major <laughs> Sarah exodus towards the end of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we, wow. we had so many Sarahs and then so few. It's really, yeah. That's, been the sto- that's really been the story of this season is like no one can hold on to a Sarah for very long. 
She's slippery. Yeah. Uh, but she'll come back. And uh, Chris, you've been here the whole time, so I guess, uh, you know, pack your reels and stop fishing. Oh, <laughs> You gotta go home. Uh, but thanks Great for being, being here, here, Chris. Sure. And Megan, thanks for podcasting with me. Thank you. We'll talk to you guys next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.